Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you're with us today for this series, Revelation, God Rules. We are at episode 20, The Return of Christ. This is the episode for Sunday, June 4th, 2023. So you say, I want to learn Bible prophecy. And I say, no, no, you don't. And you say, teach me. I really want to know. Okay. Today is where we're going to find out the truth about you. Do you really want to know Bible prophecy? Or do you just want to know? You see, to study Bible prophecy requires going back to Earth's earliest ages. And then it requires actually reading and listening to the Bible for about 50 years and reading scholarly exegesis and commentaries and comparing Scripture with Scripture and even learning about new archaeological discoveries which have a direct bearing on fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Still want to learn Bible prophecy? Uh, well, okay, can you just assure me I'm going to heaven and we'll miss all the bad stuff? I mean, I got Netflix series to keep up with, and then there's the cruise we book. Got to go on that, right? And then there's sleep. I mean, you got to have eight to ten hours of solid, deep sleep every single day of your life, Right? And of course, there's all the shopping for more and more new things. And if I don't keep up with my peeps on social media, I won't be popular anymore. Like I said, very few people want to know Bible prophecy. But maybe you do. So here goes. When Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, ascended back to heaven, as he was literally being take, taken back into heaven, and those 500 or so believers watched and witnessed this, there were two angels standing near them, and they said, and I'm uh, trying to quote this exactly, but you can go back and see how close I came. But it's in Acts 1, verse 11. And, and they said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which ye have seen go into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So just as they saw the Lord Jesus raptured, if you will, ascending into heaven, he would come again the same way. And in fact, as we're going to see in this episode, he's coming back uh, to the Mount of Olives. We know exactly where he's coming back to. So I don't want to be too hard on you. I know everybody's busy. But, you know, if you really want to understand, you're going to have to hang with me really close in this episode, and this may take a while. So if you bail early, you're probably never really going to understand Bible prophecy. But if you hang with me to the end, 
the odds are you're going to have a, an easier time putting all of this together. All right, we go back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. After Adam and Eve rebelled against God and fell into sin in the garden in Genesis 3.15, the Lord is saying this to Satan. And I will put enmity. That means war, hostility. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. You know, in English, we read that and go like, well, it's even, right? No, it's not. The seed of the woman, which is a biological impossibility, this refers to the virgin birth. This is the first mention of a savior. Her seed, which we know is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ will crush the head of Satan and Satan would only bruise his heel. So you have the crushing of Satan and the cross of Christ. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ rose again victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave on the third day. So he wins. He crushes the serpent's head. Now in Zechariah 12, verses 1 through 10, I don't want you looking these up. Just write them down. You can look them up later. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, Will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people? All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness, and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah." and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength and the Lord of hosts, their God. In that day, I will make the governors of Judah like an hearth of fire among the wood and like a torch of fire in a sheath. And they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day shall the Lord... Let me reread that. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. 
and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me. This is Jesus speaking here. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Then Zechariah 14, verses 1 through 21. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Ramon south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and the inhabited and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate under the place of the first gate, under the corner gate, and from the tower of Haniel under the king's wine presses. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them, 
and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, and of the ass, and of all the beasts shall be in these tents as this plague. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be, that's describing the millennium, the thousand-year kingdom, which your preachers have told you doesn't actually exist. They're wrong. It's right here. Maybe they've never read Zechariah. <laughs> so, and it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth to under Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them, shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, then have no rain. There shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. In that day, shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein, and in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Now let's go to Daniel chapter 2, verses 40 to 45. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. Now this is the empire of Rome, which never really died. It's in a coma. Rome will revive again. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. So the Roman Empire split east and west. This is a vision of the, of the image that Daniel had. Remember that back in Daniel chapter 2? But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, 
but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now listen to this, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, so those 10 toes represent 10 kings, you get it? And in the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that's the Lord Jesus Christ now, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath men, had made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Now we go to Daniel 7, verses 7 through 28. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. So this fourth beast is just like the uh, fourth kingdom in the image that we just read about in Daniel 2. It's the same, same basic thing, but put a different way. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had 10 horns. I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, and this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. This is God the Father. And the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. This, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Verse 14, And there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom 
that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. You know, we win, people. The saints win, saints win, saints win. We're gonna win this thing in Jesus. Get excited. Then we go to verse 19. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, before whom, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them and he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings." And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. That's three and a half years, people. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given <laughs> to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter is for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Even Daniel did not understand everything that we read that he was shown and told. 
We now know more about it because more has unfolded prophetically. But don't feel bad if you don't have a complete handle on all of this. Then in Daniel 9, verses 21 to 27, we read, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, this is an angel now, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now listen, folks, what I'm about to read is describing the tribulation, what is shortly, I believe, going to unfold on this planet on which you live. Verse 24, 70 weeks. Now these are weeks of years where every day of the week stands for um, a year, okay? And we're gonna talk about 490 prophetic weeks that are already foretold for the Jewish people. And as we're going to see, as we read here, 483 of those prophetic years have already been fulfilled. Seven of them have never been fulfilled yet, but they will be in the tribulation. All right, so this is what God wants us to know before we read Revelation 19. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Who is Daniel's people? The Jewish people, okay? Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now, what city would that be? Jerusalem. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. So put your math cap on. Seven weeks, so that's seven times seven, right? 49 weeks or 49 years, okay? And three score in two weeks. Now I'm gonna get lost in the math here, but at the end of all this, just know that 483 weeks are going to be totally fulfilled. So let's read that now. Now, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. So that's going all the way back to Ezra and Nehemiah 
And when Cyrus let the Jewish people go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and the walls and all of that. Verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. In other words, Jesus was crucified, right? But not for himself. That is, he wasn't crucified because of his sin. He had no sin. He was crucified for our sins. Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord, uh, which was in the 30s, like 31, 32, somewhere in there, A.D., after that, in 70 A.D., who, who are the people of the prince that shall come? Well, now we can begin to unlock something. Who destroyed the city and the temple? The Romans. There's that fourth kingdom. You see it? The Romans did that. But we're told here, and the people, the Romans, the people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So there's a coming prince who will come from the Roman Empire. Pastor Ed, you've got to be crazy. The Roman Empire hasn't been around for almost 2,000 years. Yes and no. Parts of it are kept alive in Western civilization. You know, law, government, all of that. But, you know, as far as ruling the world, yeah, it's in a coma. It's coming back, baby. So how can that be? How could Israel be reborn in one day and on May 14, 1948. It's impossible, but it happened because God said it would happen. The Roman Empire will be back, only it will be worse than it ever was before because it will have this prince coming, the Antichrist, the beast. All right, and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, verse 27 talks about what this prince that's going to come will do. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's your missing week. One week, one week of years, seven years. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So he guarantees, I guess, the safety of, of Judah and Jerusalem and the Jewish people the temple will be rebuilt. You know, maybe it's rebuilt already or he will help make it possible for it rebuilt. We don't know that, but there will be a temple again because he's got to go into that temple to set up an image of himself and proclaim himself God. We know that from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, so if every day is a, um, a year, and it's the middle of the week, let's say 12 noon on Wednesday, right? Three and a half years. So three and a half years after this covenant is signed is when it all comes apart and he's exposed for who he really is. He seems like he's the rescuer, the false Messiah of the Jewish people, but he's not. He's, we're going to see in the, as we go through this, he's indwelt by Satan. That's the bottom line. We've already seen that in Revelation 13 already. All right, so 
Uh, let's see. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Make what desolate? The temple. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, I'm not reading these. Uh, I, I don't think everything I've read has been in any particular order, but I'm going to give you one more prophecy from Isaiah. By the way, these prophecies we're, re, re, we're reading, um, the bulk of them have not been fulfilled except the 483 years or the 69 weeks. Those have been fulfilled. But the rest of it, this has never been fulfilled before. I don't care what your liberal preacher says. These are things that if they don't happen, then God will not have been able to keep his word. God said they're going to happen, and happen they will. So we read Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Now you remember the Lord comes back to the Mount of Olives, and the battle of Armageddon we're going to be read about here momentarily, the return of Christ. He comes back to the Mount of Olives and he just takes out, with no effort at all, takes out the armies of the world. And apparently this is going to be a <laughs> all the way to Basra, which is some distance away from Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is called a wine press. And the Lord is going to tread the wine press of the fierceness of the wrath of God. Jesus is going to do that. And we read about that right here. Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments, like him that treadeth in the wine fat. I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. All right. You still want to understand Bible prophecy? <laughs> We're going to go now to Revelation 19. And just in broad terms, we're going to see a heavenly celebration at the destruction of religious and uh, commercial political Babylon that we looked at in the last couple of weeks. The world system without God is what that amounts to. We're going to see a heavenly celebration that it's been destroyed. 
The earth mourns about it. Heaven throws a party over it. We're going to see an invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb, a literal, visible return of Jesus Christ to rule this earth. His victory at the battle of Armageddon, an invitation to the great supper of God. Now, I know you don't know what that is yet, probably, but you do not want that invitation because you will either be eating the flesh of the dead or you will be eaten. You do not want to be there. We're going to see God's final judgments initiated and our, well, the millennial reign of Christ, our reign with him and our responsibilities. All right, here we go. Revelation 19, verses 1 through 21. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia! salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments for he had judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia! This, that means praise the Lord, by the way. And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Yes. And the four and 20 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, <coughs> saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Do you know who the wife, the bride of the Lamb is? It's the church. It's everyone who is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And for many of you listening, it's you and I. And if you're not part of the bride of Christ, you could become part of that body today by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, repenting of sin and turning to him for his finished work on the cross to pay for your sins, and that he rose again the third day, proving that his sacrifice was enough to pay for your sin. I hope you'll come over to our side if you're not on it yet. All right, so let's go back to verse 7 and 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, 
Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You want to understand the Bible better and Bible prophecy better, then you will, you, as you do that, you will presenting, be presenting Jesus Christ as the world's only hope. Because when Bible prophecy is rightly interpreted and preached and applied, Jesus Christ is lifted up as the only Savior of the lost world. Now, I've got a question for you. If the church is the bride, and we see the bride right here, we know what I just said, we know for sure. And, we, and yet we see the bride right here with the Lord. <laughs> How did the bride get there? If this is the church. The bride got there in the rapture of the church in Revelation 4, verse 1 as the Lord fulfilled his promise to his church that he said earlier in Revelation 3, 10, to, to rescue the church from the hour that was coming on the earth, the tribulation, and he does that. That's how we're in heaven, having made ourselves ready, putting on the clothing provided us by the Lord himself, his righteousness. It's not our righteousness. You see that? So, you know, if, if what I just said isn't correct, then we have no explanation for how the church got to heaven. The rapture happens prior to the tribulation. All right, let's go to Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, several observations right here. Well, let me read verse 12 also. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now, John sees what's still future to us when the heavens are open at the end of the tribulation and the Lord Jesus Christ himself be, appears on this white horse. Say, oh, Pastor Ed, don't you know that's metaphorical and spiritual and allegorical? No, it's not. Jesus is coming back on a white horse, period. And we see that he is faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Now, hang on to that last part just a minute. But have we seen one appear already in Revelation on a white horse? Yeah, we have. Remember that? Where the first uh, horse and rider were the Antichrist who came and through peace takes over 
but yet he's not the true Messiah. He's a false Messiah. He's not Jesus Christ. He's the Antichrist. This is Jesus Christ for real right here. And we see that his eyes were as a flame of fire. I would say that means that you can't fool Jesus. He can absolutely know the truth, boom, just by looking at it. <laughs> you can't hide something from him or trick him. And I know in Revelation, we've had a lot of kings and people ruling and all this. Jesus, Jesus wears many crowns. He's not a ruler. He's the ruler. He's coming back. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, and the armies, so there's more than one army in heaven. Well, what could that possibly mean, Pastor Ed? Well, I think it means there's an angelic army and there's the army that we are part of, the church. And by the way, if you have always and only thought of the Lord Jesus Christ as he first came as meek and mild and the suffering servant, you've got something else coming. He is that, and he came that way as suffering servant. He's coming back as conquering king, baby. And you better start liking it today because you have no say in it. We're being told in advance the future of the world. You're either on his side or you're not. And if you're not, you are toast. Wow. Because it says in verse 11, at the last part of the verse, and in righteousness, he doth what? He doth judge and make war. All these people that want to water down the Lord Jesus Christ, you are so deceived and you are going to be so shocked. Because then in verse 13, reminding us of what we read in Isaiah 63, I believe, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Many people who hate Jesus complain about uh, when they hear his blood referred to and, and all of that, it, it, they, they mockingly say they don't want to be part of a slaughterhouse religion. Well, I'll tell you what, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and takes out the beast and the armies of the world, he is going to have on a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Now, I don't know how to ride a horse, but it's no problem for God to get me on a horse and make it work. How about you? And I can't wait. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath 
of Almighty God. That reminds us of Psalm 2. If you've never read it, you need to go read Psalm 2. That's about the same thing we're reading here, where Jesus absolutely comes back. He's not coming back asking, can he rule? He's coming back and he's taken over and nobody can stop him. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. <laughs> wow. I mean, this is going to be a bloody event. And I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now, right about now, I think about the movies made about Bible prophecy and the Battle of Armageddon and all of that. And it's, you know, I mean, I understand why they do it, to try to depict it. But it, like, it all looks so dramatic, like it's all so hard, and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Do you know that between verse 19 and verse 20, there's nothing? There's a gap right there? <laughs> there's, there's 30 English words in verse 19, and there's nothing in between 19 and 20. You know why? Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. He's come back. It's over. Period. Verse 20. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Yes, yes, yes and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Yes. Somebody said once, many years ago, when the Lord comes back in the battle of Armageddon, it's not really much of a battle because the Lord's gonna look at the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all of their stupid army that they've got there from all over the world to say, drop dead and the battle's over. Boom. John Walver, great prophetic teacher and past president many years ago of Dallas Theological Seminary and an expert in prophecy, wrote this. All of these passages point to the sad conclusion that in the day of judgment, it is too late for men to expect the mercy of God. There is nothing more inflexible than divine judgment where grace 
has been spurned. The scene of awful judgment, which comes from this background, is in flat contradiction of the modern point of view that God is dominated entirely by his attribute of love. Now let's read into Revelation 20. We're only going to read six verses and then we'll wrap it up. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Now, you know, to my way of thinking, it would be like there's a period there, but there's not. It says that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. What? (laughs) Now, if you don't know your Bible very well, you're going like, you have got to be kidding me. Why would he be let out? Well, there's a reason, and we'll see what it is as we go through Revelation. Verse four, and I saw thrones, and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, if you go to a church or you were taught in Sunday school 50 years ago that there's no such actual thing as a millennium, you know, the Lord comes back, eternity starts and there's heaven and that's it. There's a thousand year kingdom right after the Lord returns to this earth and he's gonna be completely in charge and we get to reign with him. That's why your life right now on earth as a Christian in this life is so important because you're being trained to reign with him and the degree of blessing and reigning with him will be keyed to your degree of faithfulness, growth, and service to him right now. Now that changes the picture, doesn't it? Amen. Now, let's go to Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. So, are, is the church watching for the Antichrist? Absolutely not. I don't believe we will ever see him on this earth. Why? Because we will, we're looking for Jesus Christ in what is called the blessed hope. 
that according to the Lord's word, he will take us out of this world. In Titus 2, verses 13 and 14, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So we're to be busy for the Lord right now, getting ready to reign with him in his millennial rule over this earth. Amen. Listen, if you have spiritual questions about whether you're a Christian or not, call this number, 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. Speak with someone about how to become a Christian or to be sure that you are a Christian. I go to a church called Bellevue Baptist Church. If you go to bellevue.org forward slash Jesus, you can get helpful material that will help you grow in your Christian life. That's B-E-L-L-E-V-U-E dot O-R-G forward slash J-E-S-U-S. Bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. All right, listen, as I've said so often in the past, if the Lord doesn't come first and I don't have my personal death first and Satan, the deep state, the World Economic Forum and a growing number of people who hate me don't double tap me first, then I plan to be back next week with episode 21 of Revelation, God Rules. Hey, like this episode and share it with someone right now right from where you're listening. And also, follow This Week in the Word. Follow the podcast, and you'll be notified every week when I post the next episode. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye-bye.